Lambeau. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Timmering is filling in for Gambo. Happy, I was about to say happy Friday to you. It feels like a Friday. Kind of is. God knows the parking lot of this building is like a Friday. Burnsy has got the Friday vibe. Oh, yeah, I'm vibing Friday. Driving to Flagstaff as soon as the show is Johnny done. Johnny Manziel, Scottsdale's a vibe. <laughs> happy Wednesday to you. As uh, Tim's filling in for Gambo, who uh, yesterday was his Friday. Yesterday was his Monday and his Friday. Bravo, Gambo. Bravo. Um... The Suns win last night to beat the L.A. Lakers 115-105. And in doing so, they've got remarkably, in many ways, the best record in the Western Conference. But I, I don't want to talk about that, Tim. I want to talk about the latest chapter, if you will, in this huge war and peace-like novel that is the Phoenix Suns-L.A. Lakers rivalry. Now, I, I know you moved here from Chicago when? I moved here from Denver. From Denver, that's right. I'm sorry. But I moved here... 14 years ago. Okay, so you've been, here, you've been here a while. Oh, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm, you're, 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 I mean, I know I'm you've entrenched. been here a while. Yeah, yeah. You're not I'm, a, I'm a full. I, I am also a full-fledged Suns and Cardinals supporter. Of I course. Wanna, I don't want to say fan because I'm working the media. I, I, but I, those I, are my teams. Yeah, I get it. No, You know what? And I'm in the media, too. I don't... I, <laughs> I don't mind saying I'm a fan. You know, I, I'm, well, am I rooting for nothing last night? No, I'm rooting for the Suns last night against the Lakers. I, I only ask because I come to it from the very, very unique perspective of having been born and raised here. I yeah. mean, so literally, like, this novel that is the Suns and the Lakers rivalry and all the chapters that are in it, I know that book very, very well. If you watch a team's game, night in, night games night in and night out, and you get to know the players and know the club, if you don't become a fan... Check your soul, man. <laughs> what's, I mean, what's I mean, wrong I, with you? I mean, I, like, I get it. I mean, I have allegiances to my my the teams of my youth. Yeah, but I'm not firing up Bulls games anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm a Suns guy. So let's talk about this latest chapter of the Suns and the Lakers because it's a weird chapter. I I, I don't know if I don't know, uh, frankly, if I've ever experienced a chapter like this. In my lifetime of being a Phoenix Suns fan, I'm looking at a Twitter account, and it's just a Twitter account. I don't want to make it to be all that, but it's at Lakers lead, and their their tagline is where casual Laker fans become diehards, hashtag Lake Show. I'm assuming it's like a fan forum kind of website for people to deposit all sorts of thoughts or whatever. They tweeted out a photo, left to right, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Monty Williams, Mikel Bridges. Chris Paul, and some photographer. And ahead of the photo, it says, <laughs> the least likable team in the NBA. We've gotten their attention. It has taken a while. We have finally, the Suns organization has won enough now and beaten the Lakers enough times in a row now. 11 straight. Yeah, can we not count the preseason? <laughs> I mean, I saw you guys Sorry. tweeting about that. No, I know. Like, can you give me a break like, on the preseason I'll games? I'll be honest with you, that feels kind of soft. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Can we, can we just go with eight? I don't know. Five what, regular season and three playoffs? Is it, is it three preseason? Is that what I'm taking yes. out? Okay. Okay. You know what? I'm, I actually totally endorse that move because I think yeah. including the preseason <laughs> is really unnecessary. It's the preseason. Nobody cares. Unless you're losing to Adelaide by 36 points in the preseason, then I do care about that. Which boy doesn't that seem like forever ago? But no, it's it's yeah, we've got their attention, and yeah, it's. I mean, they have not lost to the Lakers since the infamous LeBron James 
leaning back into Jay Crowder during Game Three of that playoff series and being mimicked on the on the Lakers bench by Andre Drummond. Right, remember that moment? Oh yeah, and 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 Jared Dudley. Yeah. Oh oh. oh, oh. And Jared Dudley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so so this latest. I, are we really, are the Suns, I won't say we, are the Suns really that to the L.A. Lakers now? Is that is that where this... It, 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 I think you beat a team enough times, and you are better than them, and you are kind of the darling of the Western Conference, along with that team up P, uh, PCH in Golden State. I think it bothers Lakers fans. If the Lakers were still kicking the Suns' butts pretty much night in and night out, I, I don't think Laker fans would notice the Suns. Right, the our, our our rivals, the Celtics, were the Lakers, the Suns, eh, the minor a minor yeah. nuisance down there in the desert. I mean, the Suns have beaten them only five times in a row in the regular season. Three playoff games, five regular season. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not a very gaudy number, not all that impressive. Where you're like, wow, the Suns own the Lakers, Bernsey. The Suns have not beaten the Lakers five regular season games in a row since 2006. Oh, look at you doing that post-game show knowledge from yeah. the night before. And look that, at you. Yep. And so it's been, what is that, 16 years? Give or take. Yeah. Okay. So the Laker fans haven't had to deal with the Suns team that gets in the kitchen of the L.A. Lakers and beats them night in and night out. So now they don't like them. But the bigger question is, are they the least liked team in the least likable team in the NBA? <laughs> there's no way. There's no. There's well, no. As, I mean, as long as LeBron James is on one team, and James Harden is on another, and Ben Simmons is on another. Okay, I'll give you that. But but there is. I'll I'll say this, and I and I don't believe it either. But but as we just talked about during the segment, I, I'm the first to admit I'm a fan of this basketball team, and I'm I'm not I'm not cashing that in. But but I'll say this: if I were a fan of another basketball team, and I'm just being honest here, you to me. Devin Booker would get under my skin but a little why? bit. Why? I knew you were going to say I, that. Why? Chris Paul does. Chris Paul. Well, he he. And would, Chris Paul might move the meter in terms of unlikable, in terms of a national perspective. There is an edge. What is Booker? To, there's Wait, an he just ed- flexes. Come he, on. He's, there, there's an edge to his game. There, there, there is. Not, I wouldn't even call it like a nasty or a meanness to him, but certainly he talks a lot of mess out there, man. He he does. He ta- and he backs it up. Okay, but so but, did Larry Bird, and so did Michael Jordan. It, yeah, and depending on what market you lived in, you didn't like those players well, very much. If that's the barometer of unlikable, sign me up. <laughs> and if I were Devin Booker, I would say the same I'm thing. Not, I'm not saying they should stop doing a thing. Right. I, I just I can see why Devin Booker. I mean, like, okay, last night, Devin Booker, I saw this on Twitter today. Devin Booker says, man, I just wish Pat Bev would push guys in the front, not in the back. Immediately, you go on Twitter, you can find thousands of videos of Devin Booker pushing guys in the back. Maybe not thousands, but a couple, <laughs> right? Like, it's, there's this instant, oh, really? You shouldn't push guys in the back? Well, here you are doing it, book, and here you are doing it again, book, and there you are doing it again, book. I, and it's, it's stu- he, I really believe, gets under people's skin. Maybe not to the point where they're the most hated team in the NBA, but I I think between him and Chris Paul, there's a cockiness, there's an arrogance, there's sort of a... There's there's something there. I can't. That's what happens when you win. Of course, and that's. I mean, honestly, that has a lot to do with it. Right, they're winning. You're right. People didn't like Larry Bird if you didn't. (laughs) <laughs> Chances are you you were playing but, Larry Bird's team, you were going to lose. But I guess it just I, doesn't it depend on the fan? I mean, I never 
Okay, so get it. I grew up in Chicago. You grew up here. Like, I didn't hate the other great players in the league. I didn't hate Magic Johnson. I didn't oh, hate... Oh, I hated Magic Mary. Johnson. See, oh, that's God. crazy. You're one of those fans. I hated Magic Johnson as a kid. How? Why? I hated him because he was so good. <laughs> well, that's not a reason to hate of a guy. Of course it is. He, he was so... He, no, he was good, and he knew it, and they knew it, and everybody knew it, and everybody made a big deal about how good he was, and it was... it was, it was, it was Oh, man, who hurt you? And, and sometimes it was just... <laughs> Nauseating. <laughs> it's like it's like turn off the spigot, you know, turn it off. Okay, we get it. They're good. They're really, really good. They're like the best ever. Now just shut I mean, it. Do you hate Luca? Do you hate Giannis right now? I mean, I don't. I, you know what? I, Luca gets under my grown out of it. But I mean, even when I was younger, I wouldn't hate the other great players. See, again, I'm telling you these they stories the from when I was a me. kid. Giannis, yeah. I don't hate. Giannis seems like a like a righteous dude. Luca, he's a righteous dude. He's a he's a. <laughs> I only threw that in there because we're watching uh, we're watching planes, trains, and automobiles tomorrow. Thanksgiving tradition. That's not the line from planes, trains, but it's a John Hughes movie. He's a righteous dude. Um, Luca, Luca's kind of a. Luca doesn't get under your skin. Luca doesn't buy. He's he doesn't bother you. The only thing that bothers me about Luca and Giannis is that the fact that they are allowed to travel as they as they. They take the ball into the paint. They take an extra step, and it pisses me off. See, okay. In fact, so much so, if so much so, Adam Silver and I are Facebook friends. I am so tempted to send him a little DM. <laughs> Would you stop letting them? They're already like the two best players in the league. Stop letting them travel. I mean, they, they just waltz through. They need an extra step to get around a guy. I'll take an extra step. Boy, I, anyway, Giannis, yes. Luca, I, I, I think you're misreading the putt on Luca. I don't think people like Luca very much. In Dallas, I think they like him. I think in other markets that get here, I, I think. Oh, man, the pettiness never, <laughs> never, never ceases to amaze me. How can you hate Magic Johnson, Bernsey? Go to break, for Christ's sake. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, a former Super Bowl champ. Now, granted, we're connecting some dots here, but there were interesting dots that were put in front of us. Does he want to come to the Arizona Cardinals? We'll talk about that next. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. As far as connections go, it was fairly nondescript, mostly benign. And yet, anytime you mention that name with this football team, people are going to react to it. I don't care how casual it is. I don't care how, you know, what, how many degrees of separation there are in between it. And what I'm talking about, Tim Ring's filling in for You don't got to give a disclaimer. Just give the story. <laughs> Sean Payton. Well, no, because it is. It's, you read it, it's like, that's it? You know, I mean, really, there, there is sort of a that's it element to it. But I want to read the story because it got a lot of people excited today, at least on social media. Sure. Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler were doing their weekly, you know, here's our weekly buzz. Everything we've heard going on in the NFL, and they're talking about coaches on the hot seat. They're talking, of course, about Arizona. They briefly mention Arizona's on the watch list. Who are the top candidates most likely to get interviews in this cycle? Jeremy Fowler. Sean Payton seems to be lurking in a big way. Speaking of worst-kept secrets, Payton circling around the Chargers is probably one. Graziano chimes in. Um, I think that's why a lot of people are connecting him, Sean Payton, with a potential Chargers opening. People would line up to coach Justin Herbert if that job came open. If not there, I've been told to watch Arizona as a potential Payton destination, again, assuming there is an opening there. And that's it. 
That's it. Like, that was literally the only sentence in the entire document that linked Sean Payton to the Arizona Cardinals. And yet. That's all we need. Let's roll. That's it. It was just like, oh, start the segment. Like that fuse. Let's light this candle on this blowtorch. And let's talk about Sean Payton now. And let's talk about hypotheticals, of course. Sean Payton and the Cardinals? What do you think about that? Well, I know he can win with a short quarterback. <laughs> so that's that's checking one big box. <laughs> that's, that's so that's so not what I was expecting you to say at all. But okay, Starting, yes. And aside from that, uh-huh. you're talking about one of the best head coaches in the game over the past twenty years. You're talking about a Super Bowl winning coach. If Sean Payton. If they were to make a move on Cliff Kingsbury, I would hope Sean Payton would be on top of Mike Bidwell's list. There's more to the story, though. Of course. Sean Payton's going to want full control. That's the, the, This, to me, is the, the essence of the entire conversation. But if you clean out the house, might your GM job be open, too, and Sean Payton would be a, a candidate to take over football ops and head coaching and have a player personnel guy that he works closely with, identical to the Pete Carroll-John Schneider relationship and dynamic in Seattle. Well, and the same one he had with Mickey Loomis when he was in New Orleans as well. I mean, a very coach-dominant kind of relationship that you have with the general manager. Yeah. And and that's that's what he's going to want. I don't, I don't think he's... Uh, this has nothing to do with Steve. I, I just don't think Sean Payton would come in in any circumstances... And work for a GM. He would work with a GM. He wouldn't work for a GM. Yep. And, and, and didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just I, it's it's we're, we're we're such we are we are in such speculation mode on this thing. But there's no question about it. He's going to be the best head coaching candidate on the market. Highly sought after. Every team that has an opening, and I, I think a lot of people honestly thought he'd probably end up in Dallas, but Dallas is doing so well, they're, they're probably not going to be in the market for a Sean Pavin unless things just absolutely blow up in Mike McCarthy's face. I I, I think that, okay, first of all, yes, disclaimer, we're, we're having a purely speculative hypothetical conversation here because as you and I have talked about many times when you filled in for Gamble, Nobody knows what Michael is thinking about what he's going to do. No, there's speculation about Cliff's future. There's speculation about Steve's future. Nobody actually knows how that's going to manifest itself. Maybe it doesn't manifest itself at all. We, we just don't know. I do think that Sean Payton would be the perfect candidate if there were indeed such an opening. I do think it would require control to be ceded to him. You know, I also think that perhaps that could be the best thing that would happen to this organization, much in the same way, to be perfectly honest, when Robert Sarver, all not all those years ago, but a few years ago, ceded a lot of that control and a lot of that power to Monty and just said, okay, go. I'm going to stand back here. You go do the Monty Williams, James Jones thing, and you guys figure it out, and we're going to have James on in a few minutes. We're not going to ask him about this, obviously. But that was a real evolutionary kind of moment for the Suns organization. And if you're even going to think about a Sean Payton type, it's going to require that same kind of evolutionary type of moment for the Cardinals organization. And and I'm not going to sit here and say the results are going to be exactly the same, but for goodness sakes, look at what's done with the Phoenix Suns. I mean, look at what that, okay, I'm going to step back. You do it. You've got control. I'm giving you the power. I'm giving you the money. I'm giving you the respect that comes with the money. Go get look at what that's done for the Suns. 
I don't know if the same thing would happen with the Cardinals, but man, you talk about an itch that you want to scratch. Boy, I sure would love to find out what well, he could do with I'll, this organization. Let me just say this. If there is a change, I would hope Sean Payton would be the first call and the Cardinals would do everything they possibly could to secure him as their next head coach. If you're Sean Payton, first question, how do you feel about Kyler Murray? Coming out of the draft, Sean Payton liked him a lot. Ooh, hold on. I got a sound, I got a sound bite about this. You want right. to yeah, play this for you? There's a bite for it. Sean Payton with Daniel Jeremiah and Rich Eisen on the NFL Network during Kyler Murray's NFL Combine. You ready for this? Okay. I want to thank Kyle Odegaard. He dug this up and he put it out on social media. Look his height. Head on the edge. His film is too good. Yeah, you know, ultimately, ultimately, his film, when I say it's go, too go, go, good, go, go, go. and uh, I like him. Is that somebody, Coach, a lot of times we talk about this is somebody I want to play with or want to have him on my team. Somebody you're hoping doesn't find his way anywhere near you in, in a division. Just having to prepare for somebody like that and a challenge that somebody like that brings. Absolutely. Finish um, now. Finish. Finish. Baseball would be a great starting point. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wins. Everybody wins. No, I think that one's. I don't think he's going to go through that door. I don't think, I, I don't think so either. In North Shirley, I think he's he's going to be comfortable uh, and, and playing playing quickly at this level and uh, deservedly so. Now, would that hold up in court if I offered that as Exhibit A, Your Honor, as to why Sean Payton? No, of course not. He's just you know chatting it up with Daniel Jeremiah and Rich Eisen on the NFL Network. But it does, you know, that you certainly. Sounds like he was a fan of him and impressed by him a few years ago. Yep. I don't know if he still is, but that would be a good starting point. Yeah. He's got he's got to want to coach Kyler Murray. He's got to believe in Kyler Murray. If we get to that point and Sean Payton's considering other options, why do you want to choose the Cardinal job? Unless they just give you a bigger offer than everybody else. That usually helps, too. But do you want to coach Kyler Murray? You know people want to live here yes. from a quality of life standpoint. Stadium's great, facility's great, everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's great. So there's the, the, all the boxes the, are checked there. A, a lot. There's a lot of reasons to want to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Suns general manager James Jones has a team that is now the best in the West, but there are still some key guys missing. How close are they to returning? We'll ask James next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. James Jones joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Tim Ring is filling in for Gambo, who's got the day off going into the Thanksgiving weekend. Suns last night beat the Lakers 115-105. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, we wish a happy Thanksgiving to Suns General Manager James Jones, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. James, happy Thanksgiving, man. Thanks for joining us so close to the holiday. We appreciate it. Man, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. And, and when you're in sports, there aren't any off days or holidays. They typically work days, so yeah. I'm always good. I know yeah. you've, you guys always have something to do over there. I want to I want to start this. Congratulations on the win last night. Given kind of all the different things you guys organizationally have had to deal with all off season and into the season with the injuries and the Jay Crowder situation, what level of gratification is there that you wake up this morning? And I know it's early and there's a lot of season to go, but to find yourself in first place in the West with everything you've had to deal with, what what level of gratification do you have over that, James? 
I mean, we're, we're always thankful that we get a chance to play this game, and, and more importantly, um, that we get a chance to see, you know, the fruits of our labor and, and, and our focus on just competing and being present. I mean, I think given what we've had, the injuries, um, the ups and downs, the multiple rotations, uh, the tough one-point losses on the road and the highs of winning at home, uh, I think it's a testament to this group and Monty's leadership. You know, we just come in every day thankful for the opportunity to play and, and appreciating that, you know, if we put in the work, we'll have the result. You know, James, that win last night, 115-105, eighth in a row overall over the Lakers, including three playoff wins, five in a row, regular season wins. Always good uh, to beat those guys to get to 11-6 and six on the year. By the way, you're 9-1 and one at home. I know you know that, but I'm just telling the, telling the people out there. I want to ask you, uh, Kim Johnson and Chris Paul, James, obviously you'd rather have those guys on the court. But if there's a silver lining to all this, guys are not only getting more playing time, but their roles are expanding and they're growing in those roles. I mean, Torrey Craig becoming a little better outside shooter, contributing that way, campaign, picking up the scoring slack. I thought Dwayne Washington was phenomenal coming off the bench in that fourth quarter last night, scoring 15 in the game. So even though you'd rather have your guys, the fact that these guys are getting minutes and expanding roles can probably only help you more in May. I mean, I I believe it will. Um, You know, losing Cam and, and Chris, and Landry, um, it's hard. You know, that's that, that goes without saying. Um, it's even harder to win without them. And, and and so you get an opportunity to see these guys compete under some tough circumstances. I think we've been leaning on Devin heavily. We've been asking Mikel to play 40 minutes both both ends of the court. Uh, we've asked Campaign and Torrey Craig to, to step right back into where they were a year and a half ago, and, and they've responded. And I think uh, for this group, given everything we've been through, um, the, the pressure um, – the noise, the distractions, uh, they're starting to not affect us. And they're starting to like focus us more towards doing the things we need to do and competing. Um, because, you know, that's, that's the only thing we can control. We can control how we respond to these adverse situations and we've done a great job so far. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show with Tim Ring filling in. That said, I saw a couple of uh, posts on social media. How close is Chris? How close is Landry? It looks like they were able to get some work done at practice today. Yeah, I mean, they were at practice. They haven't practiced. You know, I think just we play every other day. Um, but it's 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 trending in the right direction. Um, I don't know when they'll be back. I still don't expect those guys uh, to know um, in the coming days. Uh, but, but they're progressing in the right direction. Hopefully, if we can get them back this weekend, that'd be great. Um, if not, uh, just for, for the sake of certainty, we're going to keep those guys out and let the guys know that are in the rotation um, that they just have to hold it down a little bit longer. Yeah, James, it would obviously be great to get those guys back. Since we're talking injuries, I did want to ask you about Cam Johnson. And I want to ask it through this prism. When, when he first went out and had the procedure done, it was he was going to be out one to two months. And obviously that's a, that's a big difference when you talk about the amount of games you would miss. Now that it's been a few weeks, is there any more clarity on Cam Johnson's return? Is it going to be closer to a month, closer to two months? Is there anything you can tell Suns fans at this point about Cam? No, I mean, outside, it's been like 14, 15 days. Um, he, he's, he's feeling good. Uh, we're still too close to um, initial surgery to know. I mean, you really won't know whether or not you're talking four, six, eight weeks until you're somewhere about five to six weeks into it. I got you. Um, I mean, like, because you just, the body needs a chance to heal, and then you need to see how it responds. And, and initially, the excitement and the drilling of getting back on the court um, you know, guys feel great, uh, but you give them two or three days and they're really, really sore and you back off. So we're going to be, be cautious with them. 
he'll want to be aggressive, but we still have a long-term view. You know, we're, we're fortunate that he'll be back with us this year. And the most important thing is making sure that he's he's primed and ready to go when the playoffs start. When a situation like last night happens with Patrick Beverly, do you or does somebody in the organization, for lack of a better way of describing it, call the NBA to kind of plead your case about what Pat Bev has done in the past, what he did last night in the hopes that there will be some sort of tougher punishment for him? Or do you let the league office handle that, James? No, I mean, look, you know, you can call and plead your case. Everyone knows what it is. I mean, it's a sucker move. It's a sucker punch. Um, it's been he's done it multiple times before. If they, if the league hasn't taken a stance on it now, they haven't come down on it. Um, evidently, it's not that big of a deal. You know, for us, um, to us, it's just a sign of of you know lack of focus and and it's it's a target he's targeting, trying to be a distraction. Um, you know, we know. Uh, the only way to, to take us off our game is to try to do things outside of the game. And we're pretty good between those lines. We're really, really good when you keep it within the game. Uh, so I tell our guys to just play at a higher standard. Um, understand that um, by any means necessary, your opponent will try to attack you. Um, it's just unfortunate that you know the game of basketball, um, the, the world's best players, uh, can't play the game. They have to play another type of game, which is, you know, we're not, listen, we're not, we're not fighters. We're not football players. You know, we're out there um, trying to, to to play in space. Um, so you know, they'll they'll get to it. But ultimately, our guys are unfazed. Like we have opponents on Friday and Saturday that we're focused on trying to beat, and uh, we'll worry about you know what what comes next. But we're we're not concerned about what the league does with Pat Beverly. Is it tough for your guys to be unfazed in the midst of that, given that it keeps happening over and over again? No, I mean, they, you just think about it. Like you're you're gonna have to deal with tough things. Um, certain certain teams, certain players present certain challenges. You know, some of our challenges will be within the line, so they'll be within the, the confines of elevating your game. Other ones will be, you know, testing your mental fortitude and and realizing that you know no one wins a game of you know stupidity, as I call it. Yeah. James, on a happier note, the scoring and shooting of Mikel Bridges, uh, not only last night. Look, I, I, I was saying the other day to somebody, with with Paul and Johnson being out, you know, Mikel's got to go from a guy who can score to maybe more of a scorer and have that mentality. And he hasn't been perfect in that regard every night. But, boy, when he's been on, the, the three-point shot, the aggressiveness, being able to take it to the basket, which he's always been able to do, the mid-range jumper. I mean, that when Mikel Bridges is on... Uh, he's really he's really a dangerous scorer. From your perspective, where is he at offensively, especially during this seven-game stretch without Chris? I mean, he's been playing phenomenal basketball. I mean, I still think that he's, he's scratching the surface. Um, I think he's still searching to figure out exactly what his offensive game is um, because he is, he is such a utility knife for us, man. He can score in transition. He can score off the bounce. He can score... You know, in the mid-range, he can shoot three. Uh, he just has so many tools, and, and he really hasn't defined one of them yet, which makes him, him difficult uh, to, to, to game plan for. But he's, he's, he's put in the work, and, and he, he's a really good player, a well-rounded player. And I think when he came into the NBA, um, you know, people forgot that he was a 20-point scorer at Villanova, that he was a kid that worked his way from just being a, a defensive specialist to, you know, a primary off, uh, option on offense. And so what we're constantly trying to do is remind him of who he is and who he can be. And I think he's been showing people uh, he's starting to remember that.
James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gamble Show. It seems like every week, James, we're asking you about somebody off of your bench who has done something that has kind of revealed himself to be a find by you. And after last night's game, I, I got to ask you about Dwayne Washington and, and the role that he's evolved into, the, the, the run that he's got during these injuries. What has he shown you and, and where are kind of areas for him to grow moving forward? I mean, well, he's fearless. I mean, I think offensively, in order to be a good offensive player, um, in this league, you have to be fearless, uh, and you have to be you have to be ready for the moment. He's taking difficult shots. He's making difficult shots. You know, he's taking the shots that if you're a fan of basketball and you look at a team hierarchy, you're like, okay, Dwayne, you get it. You should swing it to Devin. He's like, no, I'm open. I'm taking it, and that's refreshing uh, <laughs> because you know that just means that he has that belief. Um, but as far as his growth, I think as long as he continues to understand how we play, play in point five. You may make the right reads and have a command of the flow of our offense. I mean, you don't have to run plays. He's not Chris Paul. He's not campaign. Uh, but as long as he can get to his spots and, and make the right decision of when to shoot and where to pass, um, he, he's, he's so gifted um, offensively that um, he'll 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 be a boost for us whenever he plays. All right. Well, James, I know it is a working holiday for you guys, but hopefully you can sneak in a little bit of holiday time in there sometime tomorrow or tonight or whatever. Thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. Best of luck this week. We'll talk to you next. Okay. Oh, all right. Thank you. Thanks, James. James Jones joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Suns beat the Lakers last night, 115-105. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, the pace of the offense, what we saw the offense do and not do under Colt McCoy, how much is that going to change when Kyler Murray comes back? Because it sounds like he's coming back. That's next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tim Ring filling in on this Wednesday afternoon. Gambo will be back on Monday. And and now I, I was gonna say, off until Monday, but not you. Turn on that mic. Oh no. Oh no. No days off here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You're uh, you're James Jones, right? There's that, no... That's right. Bernsey, when you work holidays, Bernsey, when you're when you're a media conglomerate like myself. Now they, uh, <laughs> hey, no, no, new, new, new order, new new way of doing business here on holidays. Arizona sports, we're the local sports leader. We're going to be doing local sports. Not, the days are handed it over to ESPN Radio are over, baby. Not tomorrow. Except for tomorrow. But on, <laughs> on Friday, uh, you're doing a morning We're going to come show. in and do yeah, a morning sure. show. Good, uh, good. Howard Balzer, good Cardinal writer. Long-time Cardinal writer, long-time NFL writer, yes. Long-time NFL guy. Uh-huh. In fact, I was watching something. It was the uh, it was the Manning, no, not Manning. It was the Elway draft, 1983, 30 for 30. Okay. On the Elway Marino draft. Oh, that, that it was a thirty for thirty. Did you not see it? I didn't watch it. No, no they, I, I okay. They had, but they had, I'm familiar with it, but they I, I didn't clip, watch it. They had clips from an eighty one ESPN draft, I think, or maybe it was the eighty three draft as well. Like, but Howard was on the draft <laughs> coverage for ESPN like forty freaking years ago. Yeah, he's been doing it a while, and he's still here. He knows his he's stuff. Still covering the league. He knows his stuff. If you missed the news um, from earlier, and not that any of this should come as any a surprise, uh, Kyla Murray was asked today if he feels like he's going to be out there on Sunday. He said yes. He was asked how close he is, how close he was uh, to playing last Sunday, and how close he is to playing this Sunday. It was one of those things where, like, um, 
that was probably like the first, you know, it was the first time like I really kind of opened up a little, you know, to that to that speed. But it was just a process type of thing, you know. Um, didn't really get the reps during the week. Um, also had to see how the hammy felt, see how, my, see how I felt. And that, that was the plan the whole time. So, All right, we've talked a little bit, and we'll talk again about Kyler and what these six games mean for him and what he needs to do and what the time away from the game, maybe stepping back, taking a look at it, might do. There's also the question, Tim, of what it's going to do for the offense. Our own Tyler Drake tweeted this out, and I don't think – Anything about the numbers I'm about to give out are going to surprise anybody who watched that game on Monday night. Colt McCoy, his average seconds to throw the ball was the fastest of any quarterback in Week 11. About 2.1 seconds. Not a surprise. Colt McCoy also had the second lowest average intended air yards. He had the third lowest completed air yards. In other words, it was get the ball out fast Dink, dunk, dink, dunk, dink, dunk, right? Yeah, it's some, it's some, de- I don't say big chunks. He had some decent chunk plays to Hopkins in the first half to help extend, extend some drives. But having said that, listen, that offense worked great against the Rams, not so great against one of the better defenses and better teams in the NFL. I'm not sure if you put Kyler Murray back out there against the Chargers. I'm not sure you want to run the Colt McCoy, get the snap, one, two balls out. Get the snap, one, two balls out. You're going to put Kyler Murray back there. Let Kyler Murray be Kyler Murray. Let him do his thing. Hopefully the hamstring is healthy enough that he can move and he can shake and he can run. And you, you put the yeah. Kyler Murray offense in that we saw through seven weeks last year. That We're still talking about those first seven weeks, Man, baby. We're holding on to those seven weeks, <laughs> like, seriously. Please, like please really be a good quarterback. <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's, I, don't, don't, don't get the thoroughbred and then keep him in the, in the bar. Let, let him go. No, yeah, yeah. Let, let him go. Let him do his thing. Let him run the football. Quarterback draws, misdirections. Use his legs to create time in the pocket. Try to rekindle that magic with Hopkins. Maybe Hollywood Brown's back. Maybe. Doesn't sound like Rondell Moore's going to play. Yeah, I know, right? Can we just... It's like, it's like you know what it's like the dam? Sorry. It's like you put your finger in one hole oh, and I the know. water starts shooting out another hole. I know. It was, it, in some ways, uh, it, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. In some ways, that 49ers offense, I know I'm kind of switching gears here a little bit, and I'll, you'll see the point I'm making here in a moment. In some ways, that 49ers offense was the embodiment of what the plan was for the Cardinals. In that, I mean... It was Christian McCaffrey. It was Elijah Mitchell. It was George Kittle. It was Debo Samuel. It was Brandon Ayuk, right? I mean, it was, it was all of these weapons you had to get the ball to. And, and for one reason or another, suspension, injury, bad luck, call it whatever you want. The Cardinals have not and will not at any point this season have that version. Uh, now, I'm not saying that is the explanation for what of a train wreck season this has been. It's not. But I was watching that 49ers game, and it struck me at some point, This is they are the embodiment of what the Cardinals were hoping to achieve this year. Look at all those weapons they had to get the ball to, and when they did it, there were just so many choices for Jimmy Garoppolo. It almost, not that it made it easy, but it certainly made it easier for him to run that offense. The injury deal with the Cardinals is kind of tough to to talk about because you don't want to just say, well, they're, they're injured, everything else is fine. They've had a very unlucky season because there are obviously problems that go beyond the football field 
and the defense burns he suddenly just can't stop anybody. Yes. And they were only without they were only without Byron Murphy. He's uh, the only one game. missing. That defense has now given up two hundred and ninety six points, most in the national football league. On the offensive side of the ball, man, it's tough. They, they were missing eight starters against the 49ers. How many NFL teams can win a game when you're down eight starters on, on offense? So there's something to be said for, for those is. obstacles. I can say with great certainty, if the offense the Cardinals were trotting out on Sunday was DJ Humphreys and Justin Pugh and Rodney Hudson and Will Hernandez and Kelvin Beecham, Zach Ertz, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, and James Conner with a dose of Eno Benjamin. I think that offense would be better than the offense they're going to put out there this Sunday. Isn't that safe to say? That's safe to say. That's safe to say. Yeah, that is. That, that is very safe to say. It's very comfortable to say. So that. it's 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 been tough. And it, Steve Kime referenced this a little bit when he was driving in the car on Hard Knocks, and he was talking about trying to overcome injuries, and he said, you know, it makes it very, very tough on a GM because nobody cares that you're hurt. It's no, nuts, man no, up. It's, nobody cares. Nobody cares. No, and, that's, and Nobody cares, and, and Steve's point was it's tough to find starting caliber football players on the bench or on practice squads. There's a reason why those guys are there. So that has not helped matters this year for the Cardinals. Nope. I don't know. And, I, and again, we, we don't beat the injury drum here because we know fans don't want to hear it. Yeah. But it must be mentioned at least once in a four hour radio show that they were out eight starters on offense. Tough to win like that. Great. When we come back, we are at the turn here on the Burns and Gambo show, which means we got a lot of stuff to get to, a lot of stuff we haven't even talked about yet. The top stories of the day coming up next on the Burns and Gambo show.